Since the late 19th century, the name Dracula has become synonymous with a vampire living in a secluded castle in the Transylvania region of Romania. It's a character that shot its creator, the Irish novelist Bram Stoker, to international stardom, and has been immortalized on both stage and screen, with the latter being of particular significance through such iconic performances as those of actors Bela Lugosi and Gary Oldman. But what if I told you that Dracula was, in fact, a real person? Though I should clarify from the get-go that he wasn't a vampire, his thirst for blood did lead to a particularly notorious moniker, Vlad the Impaler. I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and let's venture back to medieval Romania to explore the life of this most complex individual, today on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. By the time Bram Stoker took the name Dracula for the title and titular character, respectively, of his Gothic masterpiece, it was already some four centuries old. Romanians, at least, had been aware of it since the medieval period, as it had been the sobriquet, that is, assumed name, for two of its most famous rulers, Vlad II, also known as Vlad Dracul, or Vlad the Dragon, and his son, Vlad III, the latter of whom history fondly remembers as Vlad the Impaler. As early as the beginning of Vlad III's reign as Voivode, or Prince of the Wallachia region of Romania, official documents began referring to him as Dracula, or Draculia. Later on, Vlad III himself began referring to himself as such, signing his name in two letters as Dragulia or Draculia. The name means something along the lines of Son of Dracul, or Son of the Dragon in medieval Romanian, and is the name most Romanians know him by to this day. The man who would one day be known as Vlad the Impaler was born sometime between 1428 and 1431, and was the second legitimate son of Vlad II, ruler of Wallachia. Vlad II had earned the sobriquet of Vlad Dracul upon earning his place within the Order of the Dragon, a chivalric and militant fraternity founded in 1408 by King Sigismund of Luxembourg that was reserved solely for select members of the European aristocracy. Their primary aim was to halt the advance of the Ottoman Empire, which, being an Islamic power, they saw as a threat to Christendom. By 1442, parts of Romania had already fallen to Ottoman invasions, with nearby Transylvania being the next target. Vlad II, naturally, didn't support this and was quite vocal about it, so much so that word soon reached the then-Ottoman Sultan, Murad II, ordering the ruler of Wallachia and two of his sons, including young Vlad III, to Gallipoli to prove their loyalty to the Turks. The trio were quickly imprisoned. Though Vlad II was released later that year, his two sons were kept as hostages to secure his loyalty. Though Vlad II feared that his sons would be, quote, butchered for the sake of Christian peace, unquote, it didn't stop him from aligning himself with those factions who openly opposed Ottoman rule. His biggest ally was King Vladislaus of Poland and Hungary. Together, the two monarchs launched what they referred to as a crusade against the Turks in 1444 at Varna in what's now Bulgaria. Though the campaign was unsuccessful, it did for a time put a halt on the Ottoman advance into the Balkans. Humiliated by this defeat, Vlad II was forced to acknowledge Murad II's authority over the region, and agreed to pay a yearly tribute to the Sultan. As if this weren't enough, in November of 1447, John Hunyadi, the Voivode of Transylvania, invaded Wallachia, and in the ensuing scuffle, Vlad II, as well as his eldest son and successor, Mircea, were killed. During this time, the younger Vlad and his brother, Radu, returned to Wallachia, insinuating that Murad II had released them upon receiving their father's tribute. With the heir apparent having been murdered at the hands of John Hunyadi, young Vlad became a claimant to his late father's throne. With Wallachia now under Transylvanian control, John Hunyadi appointed Vladislav II, the son of Vlad II's cousin, Voivode of the region. Together, Hunyadi and Vladislav launched a campaign against the Turks in September of 1448. 
With the pair having gone off to war, Vlad seized the opportunity to return to Wallachia in an attempt at reclaiming the throne, but to no avail, for the Ottomans had captured a key stronghold in the town of Giurgiu along the Danube River and strengthened it. Meanwhile, the Turks decimated Hunyadi's forces at the Battle of Kosovo in October that same year. Following this defeat, the Voivode urged young Vlad to join him in Transylvania, but the latter naturally refused. With Vladislav II returning to Wallachia, with what remained of his army, Vlad was forced to flee, which he did on December 7, 1448, to none other than Turkey. He first settled in Edirne, the then Ottoman capital. From there he slipped back into southeastern Europe, to the Principality of Moldavia, now part of eastern Romania. He longed to settle in the town of Brasov in Transylvania, but John Hunyadi forbade it. From there Vlad returned to Moldavia, and it's here that the historical record of him goes dark for a little while. It's unanimously agreed, however, that he must have traveled to Hungary sometime before July 3, 1456, because it was on that day that Hunyadi informed the townspeople of Brasov that Vlad will be tasked with guarding the Transylvanian border. It's unclear when the exiled Wallachian prince returned to his native homeland, but history corroborates that he invaded the region backed by Hungarian military support in April, July, or August of 1456, at which time the voivode appointed by Hunyadi, Vladislav II, was killed. It was at this time that Vlad sent his first official letter as voivode of Wallachia to the city council of Brasov, assuring them that he'd protect the town in the event of an Ottoman invasion, but would also seek their help if the Turks seized his sovereignty. But despite this seemingly fair attitude, the early days of his reign were ruthless and bloody. Several sources from the period, including those of Byzantine historian Launikos Halkokondiles, state that hundreds of thousands were executed at Vlad's command, namely those he felt responsible for murdering his father and elder brother, as well as those he feared were plotting, or would plot, against him. Halkokondiles elaborates in his account how the Voivode, quote, quickly effected a great change and utterly revolutionized the affairs of Wallachia through granting the money, property, and other goods of his victims to his retainers." Unquote. Indeed, in the four-year period between 1457 and 1461, the official record of the Wallachian Princely Council shows that only two members retain their positions. Talk about a hostile workplace. But despite the bloody reputation he quickly established for himself, it was, more or less, business as usual for the newly crowned Wallachian prince. He still paid tribute to the Ottoman Sultan, as his father and predecessor had, and the politically volatile region was still prone to new conflicts. One such scuffle was a rebellion in Hungary, in which the king, Ladislaus V, had his captain-general, also named Ladislaus, the son of the late John Hunyadi, executed. In retaliation, the younger Hunyadi's mother, as well as his uncle, one Michael Shilagyi, launched a campaign in an attempt at dethroning Ladislaus V. In the chaos that ensued, Vlad assisted his friend, Stephen, of the neighboring principality of Moldavia, to reclaim the latter's country and crown from the Hungarians. Along the way, the Wallachian prince swept through Transylvania and laid siege to several villages, particularly those belonging to the Transylvanian Saxons, an ethnic German minority in the region whose loyalty to Ladislaus V made them easy targets. It was during this misadventure that Vlad would earn the notorious moniker of Vlad the Impaler, as several German sources from this dark and violent period recalled how he, quote, carried men, women, and children from a Saxon village to Wallachia and had them impaled, unquote. While he ultimately sent representatives to negotiate peace talks between the Shilagi-led rebels and the Saxons, the latter weren't quick to forget the hell that Vlad had put them through, and he became an instant enemy in their eyes. For a while it seemed as if peace had returned, but rumors of war soon began spreading throughout the region, this time at the hands of the angry and vengeful Transylvanian Saxons, who sought retaliation on Wallachia for the cruel and unusual way the Voivode had treated their countrymen. But what was the outcome of this conflict? Find out in part of two of Vlad the Impaler's amazing story next time on the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off for now. See you next week.